Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me on this show. We're really exploring the idea of prayer and how we can live a life of prayer. And the reason for that is because prayer is so central to what it means to follow Jesus and to live the Christian life. And so if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, then we need to learn from him what it looks like to live a life of prayer. And that's what we've really been doing over the last handful of weeks here on the podcast is we've been letting Jesus teach us what it looks like to live a life of prayer. And we've specifically been doing that from the well-known Lord's Prayer out of Matthew chapter 6, but just reflecting on the individual lines of that and saying, what does that teach us about prayer? And then try to put that in the context of our own life and how we can live a life of prayer based on that. And so that's been the heart of that, and it's really at the heart of really this whole uh, podcast where we're about blue jeans theology, where we want to take the text of the Bible and say, what does it look like to live this out? How can we actually live according to the Word of God? And and prayer and Bible reading are like the two central spiritual practices to help us become like Jesus from the inside out. And so that's really what we're wrestling with and exploring of late on the podcast. And in this episode, I want to begin by thinking about kind of the stereotypical way a children's book ends or, you know, a a I don't know, good movie ends, whether they use the words or not, they all lived happily ever after, right? Like the conflict is over, the story has come to its culmination, the main characters are all good, everything is right in the world, and they all lived happily ever after. And we all want that. We all want happily after after. We, we all want for our life to be like that, even right now. But the fact is, is right now, we live in the middle of like a great epic, a Lord of the Rings style epic with difficulty and hardship and questions and confusion and even danger and peril at times on all sides. And we need help getting safely through. And that's where the next component in Jesus' teaching on prayer comes in. As you're reading through the Lord's Prayer, the final request in the Lord's Prayer is this. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this request is really at the heart of where we live our life. We, we live our life in the midst of difficulty. And, and so do not lead us into temptation. In fact, that word translated temptation is also translated in the New Testament trial because trials and temptations are like two sides of the same coin. They're, they're two kinds of evil that we experience in this world. We experience evil in the form of just hardship, suffering, trial. We experience evil in the form of temptation, sin, wrongdoing. And, and so do not lead us into any of that, but instead deliver us from all kinds of evil. That's the heart of this request. And this is important because the world we live in now is a battleground, not a playground. And prayer is a key part of our arsenal for navigating this battleground, this world we live in. I was actually struck by this just this morning when I was uh, doing my own personal Bible reading. I tried to read the Bible and pray to start virtually every day. And so I get up early to do that. And I've been reading through the Gospel of Luke in the mornings. And so uh, I'm at Luke chapter 22, and I'm reading through that. And it's 
preparations for the Passover feast, Jesus' last supper with his disciples, and uh, there in the upper room in Jerusalem, he knows his crucifixion is coming, and so there's a sort of uh, ominous tone that hangs over this final Passover of Jesus with his disciples. And in that context of eating this meal together, Jesus says these words to Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, the Satan has de demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. What struck me as I was reflecting on that in this context is, there is a real enemy, right? There is Satan. He's a real enemy to God's people, to followers of Jesus. And he has a certain amount of authority and power in this world. He wants to undo us and do harm to us. And notice how Jesus responds to that. In verse 32, he says to Peter, But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And prayer is a key part of our arsenal for navigating the battleground of this world with spiritual enemies against us. And it shouldn't surprise us then that Peter himself, writing a little bit later, when he writes a letter to uh, the churches a handful of years later, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober, be on the alert. In other words, get your head in the game, keep your eyes open, be vigilant, be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That we live in a world, if we're going to believe Jesus and his apostles, we live in a world where there are real enemies to human well-being. There are real enemies to followers of Jesus. There are real enemies who want to do us harm. We have an adversary named the devil, named the Satan, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, looking for someone to tear apart. This world is marked by that kind of evil where there is really... Um, spiritual powers at work in this world against us. There's real evil in the world as it now is. And so prayer is critical for dealing with evil. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers and the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's our real struggle. That's where the real enemy lies. That's where the real battle lies. And the fact is, is that sometimes it feels like our struggle is against flesh and blood, but we have to remember that lying behind that, lying behind the, the foolishness and sometimes the evil and the wrongness that humans, flesh and blood, do to each other, there are spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And Paul ends that whole section in Ephesians chapter 6, what we call the armor of God, right? Where he lists off all these different things, put on the full armor of God, he says. He lists that section. It culminates with praying at all times for all God's people in various places that they may stand firm and persist in, in their faith. And so prayer is central to dealing with the, really the evil that we find in this world. And in that vein, then, I want you to think of, for example, the Psalms that, that should say things like, Lord, deliver us from our enemies. And when we pray those lines, it's appropriate for us to pray those lines 
in view of everything we've learned in 1 Peter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6 about our ultimate enemies are not flesh and blood. And even if in the Psalms, sometimes they're praying about real physical specific enemies that they, you know, flesh and blood enemies, um, we know that lying behind all of that are spiritual forces of wickedness. And so when we pray, deliver us from our enemies, we're really praying for deliverance from those kinds of enemies that we would be delivered from evil. And that's what this prayer here in the Lord's Prayer is all about, that we would be delivered from evil. So Lord, deliver us from evil, deliver us from our enemies, deliver us from the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly place. This world is not a perfectly safe place to be right now as it currently is in the sense that there is real enemies against us. It is a battleground, not a playground. That's the first thing I want us to think about as we reflect on this component of prayer, that if we're going to live a life of prayer, we have to recognize that prayer is, is war. Prayer is war against the forces of evil in this world, and that prayer is important for us uh, really navigating the dangers and the trials and the tests to our faith that come our way in this world because this world is currently a battleground, not a playground. That's the first thing I want us to realize. But there's more to it than that. And to set that up, I want to tell you a little story about uh, G.K. Chesterton. If you don't know that name, G.K. Chesterton, a uh, well-known Christian author, um, wrote several books and some real insightful things he had to say. Well, he lived, oh, a hundred or so years ago, and he, a uh, British newspaper asked its readers to answer the question, what's wrong with the world? And so it solicited reader response to this question to the newspaper. G.K. Chesterton, fairly well known even at that time because he was a writer and all that, he wrote back to the newspaper as one respondent to the question, what's wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton's answer was short and sweet and profoundly to the point. Here's his answer. What's wrong with the world? Dear sirs, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. Did you catch it? What's wrong with the world? And Chesterton says, me, I am. I'm what's wrong with the world. And what's his point? Well, Chesterton's point is, evil is not just something out there in the world, in them, and all the brokenness and badness we see in the world. Evil is not just out there. Evil's right here, in here. It runs right down the middle of my heart and my soul. And it runs right down the middle of your heart and your soul as well. And so if we are going to be delivered from evil, there's got to be some work done in our own heart and soul as well. And so back to Peter, right? Jesus warns Peter that Satan has wanted to ask, he's, he's asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that you, you may not fail, right? Same night, the dinner is over, Jesus and his disciples leave the upper room. They go to the garden where Jesus is praying because he knows what's coming, right? And he's praying, and he takes Peter, James, and John off away from the rest of the apostles and invite them to pray with him and keep watch with him because his soul is deeply troubled. In that context, um, Jesus then goes a little bit further away from Peter, James, and John. He goes to pray, asking God to deliver him from what's about to come comes back from his prayer, and he finds those three, Peter, James, and John, sleeping because their eyes were heavy, the text says. Jesus wakes them up, and he says this specifically to them, to Peter particularly. He says, keep watching and keep praying that you may not enter into temptation. 
because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember this. Satan has asked to sift Peter. Peter's in the garden. Peter needs to be praying in order for his own protection. And here he is sleeping. And Jesus reminds him, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. A couple things I just want to point out from that. First, hear that phrase, enter into temptation. Very similar to the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. The leading into, the entering into equals succumbing to, right? Like, falling victim to, falling prey to temptation, to the test, that, that it overwhelms you and overcomes you, and you give in to it. That's the idea, that you, it's not just that you experience temptation, it's that you actually give in to it, you succumb to it, right? And Jesus is telling Peter here in the garden, you need to keep watching, you need to keep praying. You may think you're all strong and mighty. You've told me, you've assured me that you're, oh, you, I'll, I'll stand by you, Jesus. But the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. So you need to keep watching and keep praying that you may not enter into temptation. And again, we see this, that prayer is directly connected to not succumbing to the evil of this world, to temptation. And here specifically, to the weakness within ourselves. And so... On one hand, evil is out there. We live in a broken world. The world is a battleground. But also, the battle is in here, right in the midst of us, in the middle of our own heart and soul. And we need to pray so that we don't fall prey to, we don't fall victim to the evil that wars within us. Again, Peter writes these words in his letter that he writes to Christians, all the things he learned from Jesus, right? Well, Peter says this, giving instructions to his fellow Christians, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter writes, Abstain from fleshly desires which wage war against your soul. Like within each of us, there are fallen, broken desires, and they are warring against our very well-being, our very soul, our very life, our very inner person that really is at the, the heart of who we are. And these desires are waging war within there. So the battleground isn't just out there, it's in here. Uh, James tells his audience in James chapter 1 that each of us is tempted by our own desires. And so our desires are at the heart of this problem, right? And so part of our deliver us from evil prayer is deliver us from our own evil desires. And so as we learn to live a life of prayer, part of that is praying for God to change our desires and to reshape our desires and to lead us into new desires and to bring to us uh, protection and strength to, to protect us from our own false desires and to help us to see the pitfalls within our own heart so that we don't fall prey to the false desires, the evil desires within us. And so learning to live a life of prayer is learning to pray that we would be delivered from evil. And so the second half of that line, lead us not into temptation, really clarifies what we're asking, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil of this world that is broken and fallen, right? Deliver us from just the suffering and hardships of this world. Deliver us from the sin of this world. Deliver us from the temptations that come our way because of our own evil desires in this world. And so deliver us from evil. And that line could even be translated deliver us from the evil one. Both are legitimate translations. And so deliver us from evil and deliver us from the evil one. 
So this is really important for us to keep in mind that as we go about life, we need to remember that we're living in a world that is, while it's the good creation of God, it has become a battleground for God's ways, God's purposes, and God's people in this world, and that there are real forces of evil arrayed against us as the people of God, and we need help. We need guidance. We need protection. We have learned all sorts of sinful ways, and that stirs up sinful desires within us, and so those evil forces know how to play on those desires, and we need to be delivered from evil and from the evil one. And that becomes a key part of our life of prayer is asking God to lead us and to protect us and to guide us in this world. And we don't just need to pray that way for ourselves. We need to pray that for our fellow believers, our fellow Christians who are suffering because of their faith or who we know because of what goes on within us. We know they're also... um, in danger of temptation as well. We want to see them stand firm in their faith, and so we pray for them to be protected. And so this is a key part of our life of prayer, is for God to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. Kenneth Bailey, reflecting on this line in the Lord's Prayer, Kenneth Bailey talks about how when he was in the Middle East and uh, traveling through the Middle East, that going into certain desert regions, how important it was to actually make sure you found the right guide, the guide who really knew the way through the desert and where the water stops were and wouldn't lead you, you know, just kind of willy-nilly through the desert, but could get you to wherever you're going safely. And how important it was to hire a guide who you could adequately trust to make sure you got there because if you if you hired the wrong guy you could all die in the desert he says that really is a great picture for what we're praying here in the lord's prayer that what we're ultimately doing is we're asking god to be our guide through the pitfalls and dangers of this world through the evils and the perils that really mark this world and we want to make sure that we are guided safely through and so as we pray deliver us from evil, we need to remember the flip side of that is what we're doing is we're asking God to guide us. We're trusting God as our guide, that he is He is wise enough and good enough and powerful enough to get us safely through. He's a good guide, and that's what ultimately we're praying as we pray this line. And so as we become men and women of prayer, may we be men and women who trust our guide to lead us safely through. And we recognize our own tendency to turn off course, right? To get off path and to be distracted and diverted by all sorts of things that aren't true to the path. And we need to keep our eyes on the guide to lead us safely through so that we will be delivered from evil rather than enter into temptation and fall victim to the evil that's all around us. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life Podcast. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you. If you find this teaching helpful, man, share it with a friend, share it on social media, let people know it's out there. And thanks again to all of you who support this podcast and the online teaching resources I'm putting together. I appreciate each and every one of you very much. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking with you again soon.